How has mission and evangelism shaped our current church? There aren't any Lutheran evangelists anymore. Methods come and go. God is going to do something new, but I don't see it yet. It's a very organic thing. This isn't only the pastor's job. It's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit, you know, through the Word. And are we praying for this? Welcome to the Lutheran Church Planter, a podcast exploring the theology, philosophy, and practice of planting new Lutheran congregations. I'm your host, Andy Coyle, Church Planter and Director of Home Missions for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, joined by my co-host and fellow Church Planter, Matthew Ballman. And again, we are in our series here going through the marks within our AFLC, our heritage, who we are, our DNA, uh, under those those three categories, free, living, and then Lutheran. And uh, we are in that living section right now, and we are going to be looking today at really a great section for us, especially as we think about church planning, of mission and evangelism, the heart that goes into that, which really is the foundational heart that jumps into a church planting. Again, we are joined today with our special guest, Pastor Bob Lee, beloved longtime church history professor in our Free Lutheran Schools, as well as our former president of the AFLC. So again, welcome, Pastor Lee. Thank you. So mission, I'm going to read our statement again. Mission, we celebrate, and again, that's a great way to say it. We celebrate that God is a missionary God. He desires to bring souls to repentance and faith through the gospel. And empowered by his spirit, he has gifted and chosen to use the body of Christ to actively go, baptize, and teach to make disciples. And so this underlying aspect of mission. So Pastor Lee, talk about that. Why, why are we to be on mission? At its core, as as we look at it, uh, as the old historian here, uh, we we can relate the beginning of world missions to Pietism, hmm. the the movement of Pietism. Uh, why were the churches of the Reformation so slow? in uh, doing mission work. And part of it was because the church was looked on as a national organization and you were, uh, you, you could go to some place that you ruled, <laughs> but the idea of going, uh, just going around to the world, that, that was unheard of. It, mm. it was uh, illegal, uh, asking for war almost, you know, you're interfering in other countries. Uh, and and um, it, it was, uh, it was pietists uh, who, who had this heart for reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Uh, as uh, Vislov gives his one point, he says, devoted to calling people everywhere to repent and turn to Christ, a mission in that way. Uh, AFLC, it was interesting because our, our previous church body had a, had a pretty extensive mission program, uh, and we heard about China, Japan, Madagascar, uh, especially Madagascar. That was a very well-known one, uh, and we had people who were there, you know, back and forth and so on. Uh, and we lost all of that, and that was one of the things that was mentioned hmm. at the beginning. Uh, and one man who wrote about this, who had been with us up to a point and then backed away. And he said, you're, you're just turning your back on the missionary program in this way. One of the amazing things to me as I've been writing the history of the AFLC 
has been that this very sm what this very small group of congregations sought to do, <laughs> uh, which was far beyond anything predictable as far as their resources were concerned. These were not large congregations. Uh, they were not congregations that had supported the church body to any large degree, you know, where you could see it in any kind of financial records. And that was pointed out too. Uh, look what they gave to the Lutheran Free Church before. What are they able to do now? And right from the beginning, the, the very first organizational conference in, 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 in the fall of 1964, three, excuse me, uh, they were talking about the possibility then of a mission program. And it was in early 64 then when a uh, Lutheran missionary by the name of John Abel uh, was home from Brazil, was very frustrated at what was being done with his mission program in Brazil. He wanted to go into the villages and plant churches, and uh, instead they were turning over the mission work to a German Lutheran church body that already existed there and saying we should work with them. And they weren't doing any outreach to the Brazilians, they were just serving their own people. Uh, the immigrants and their children and so on. And, and John was very opposed to this. And so he came home frustrated. I think he went to the conference in January of the Lutheran Evangelistic Movement and heard there's a new beginning coming. And he uh, contacted right people, I don't know who he contacted, mm -hmm. and came and met at that time. Our sort of headquarters was Fargo, North Dakota, and the Powers Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, John came there and met with them and uh, signed on. And he said his, his heart was to see the AFLC plant a work in, in Brazil, right from the beginning. And uh, coming to that, that conference then, early conference, 64, uh, he was introduced, and uh, uh, people got behind it, and uh, he, he was our mission director, home mission and world mission and all the rest of it, doing the whole business, mm -hmm. and uh, then quickly uh, preparing a couple, a uh, farm couple from northern Minnesota, uh, the Grothys, to, to come down to Brazil then too, and uh, he, they were studying a year at a Bible school in Fergus Falls because we didn't have a Bible school yet, and mm -hmm. getting this going and heading down there and a work that we're still involved with mm -hmm. today, probably our major work in that way, mm -hmm. uh, with the schools there and, and the rest, uh, church planting, still that same, same vision. And uh, that, that, that continues on. Uh, we also got contacts then quite uh, well in more recent years, I suppose, in, in India. We had a professor uh, who taught in our seminary for a time. And uh, he had contacts to, to people over there who wanted uh, to see a, a, a church that he, as he expressed it, of, of our spirit and our heart over there. And, and so we've never been able to send a missionary. That's too difficult to do with India. They won't accept that. We tried, but uh, we've sent over short-term teachers and so on with the work uh, the, uh, the leader of the work came and studied here for a year. He'd like to send over someone else now to come and prepare for future leadership, and we haven't been able to make that happen yet. But uh, the, the India work has been mm -hmm. something in which we've poured a lot of, lot of resources mm -hmm. in that way too. 
and had some hurt in connection with it as far as that was concerned too. Uh, more recently, uh, well, no, no, I, what, before India, Mexico, mm -hmm. Mexico on the border from, uh, from Nogales and across into Mexico and then down into central Mexico, work established there, which, which still continues on today. And uh, then uh, more recently, our, our connections into, into Ecuador. And uh, that's been the interesting thing to, with students coming here and so on to mm -hmm. see that develop. One of my grandsons went down there and spent, uh, spent some time in Ecuador learning of that and, mm. and polishing up his Spanish and the rest yeah. like that too. So yeah, uh, we, we've had a, a, a world mission program and it yet uh, from our congregations also still many of them support what they supported before, the World Mission Prayer League. Uh, that has been a friendly organization where we mm -hmm. have appreciated what they have stood for over the years mm -hmm. and uh, others as well. Uh, yeah. We have connections through our current director, Pastor Koronen, to the Hauge missions. Yeah. Uh, and that that's uh, Norwegian mission societies and their work in different places around the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, have I forgotten anything? Uh, <laughs> all of this coming from a group that hardly, could hardly do anything, you know, <laughs> and, and what, how the Lord provided and led through that is, is to me really quite miraculous. Yeah, it's really a, a beautiful history there. You know, so I think what would be interesting to talk about is why? Why? Yeah. Why, why did we do this? Why yeah. do we feel the need to keep spreading the gospel out? What, what is the heart and how does that connect? You know, we talked and I had an episode about piety yep. and, and we had another episode about the gospel and just like, what is the driving force that keeps pushing us forward to do those hard things? Yeah. And one of the things that Visloff said again, missions devoted to calling people everywhere to repeat, to repent and to turn to Christ is at the very heart of this movement a heart for those who don't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's around the world in that way. Yeah, We'll talk about evangelism sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you mentioned LEM. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about that. Like, what, what is that ministry? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. What, what was what, that ministry? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So, you know, as we get into what, what I think is good for us today to think through, how, how has mission and evangelism shaped our current church? Yeah. And, and, we, and yeah. obviously we have missionaries on the field and stuff like that, but even... The heart of evangelism and how that is connected into the life of our congregations. We, we have recognized early on that there, there are those who have had a gift of evangelism, uh, it would seem. And uh, one of those uh, was Pastor Herb Franz mm -hmm. uh, at Cloquet, Minnesota, much used. I, I think that Michael Brandt has, had, uh, has yeah. been used Agreed. by God in that way too. And I was in on some meetings with him. Uh, that I, I saw God move through that in, in a very significant way as well. Uh, and um, we've recognized those gifts. Congregations have been, um, have been open to allowing their pastors time off to do this. And I know that was true for Cloquet, and I know that was true for Sioux Falls with, with Mike. Um, we have had for a time least a couple of full-time evangelist youth workers. We tried to put that together, where the evangelist would also work developing the mm -hmm. national youth program. And we, again, we had, we had two that worked in that way, uh, and, and that, that was a ministry that was, was honored and, and blessed in that way too. Um, 
but uh, parish pastors uh, made available. There, there was a, a time where the Evangelism Commission contacted the pastors and asked, uh, is this an area where you would be open to serve? Maybe you believe God has gifted you in this way. Uh, would, you be, would your congregation be open for you to be scheduled to, to go to another congregation and minister? I've done that in a number of instances over the years, been invited to congregations and, and to speak in that way. I don't think I have a particular gift of evangelism, but uh, I, I see God honoring the preaching of his word and answering the prayers of his people in, in those kinds of, of settings yeah. in that way too. Those special meetings— Mm-hmm. were very much a part of the life of the AFLC right from the very beginning. Um, and, and that shaped who we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible camps, often an evangelist ministering in that kind of setting as well. And there can be some criticism of that too. And that well, might... Yeah, let's, let's press that. I know yeah. like Parish had just released um, another, that reprinted Dr. Munsa's uh, little booklet on the theology of Lutheran evangelism. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to speak to that. Like, what what are some of the interesting, unique aspects within our LFC AFLC heritage of getting into the theology of evangelism? What makes it interesting? Or talk about some of the tension there, because that shapes who we are now. Uh, yeah, it's spirit-led, spirit-inspired evangelism at our Bible camps through our youth groups, our national youth convention. We, we have, do we still have counselors there that meet uh, mm-hmm. invitations given during mm-hmm. the services? Sure we do, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been a very much a part of, of that heritage from the Lutheran Free Church on into the AFLC, the, the meetings like that. But congregations having these meetings uh, and, and bringing in someone else. Uh, in one congregation, they said, uh, do you ever have evangelists come into your churches? This is an informational meeting that I had. And uh, we said, yes, that's quite common. And they said, well, we, we used to. But then our new pastor said, well, why would you have somebody else come and speak? That must mean that there's something <laughs> wrong with my preaching. See? Right. He felt it was a criticism of him. And so they said, we didn't dare bring anybody in anymore like that. Laurel Udden, Pastor Udden, who was once head of the LEM, Lutheran Evangelistic Movement that you mentioned, yeah. um, he said, as the Lutheran Church has changed in the broader world, he said, there were churches that had LEM meetings once a year. They got a new pastor, recent seminary graduate, they'd have it once. Mm-hmm. And the pastor maybe would sit in the balcony during the whole thing, yeah. away from not participate. And then the next year he'd say, well, how about if we try something different? No. Okay. So let me, let me ask you yeah. this. Um, what, and I think this, this isn't obviously just yeah. in our heritage, yeah. but, but I do think there, there is some unique emphasis that we have, evangelistic preaching. Yeah. And, and not just the office of the evangelist, yes. but then like, just in our regular Sunday yes. services and sermons. Yeah. And because I, I hear, uh, um, yeah, yeah, just speak to that. What, what does that look like, evangelistic preaching? Well, it, it, it should be something that is drawn from the particular text that mm-hmm. you're using, not some form that you use at right. the end of your service, mm-hmm. yeah, like that. Uh, that the, sem- the, the Word of God at this particular point is ca- calling upon us 
to uh, come to Christ and to come to know him and for the pastor to say at the conclusion of the service, if there's anyone who would like to talk with me about this, about your relationship to Christ and pray with me, uh, I would be very glad and I'll be in my office afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think of a pastor who did this. His son told me about it. He said, Dad would go to the office afterwards and he said there would be a lineup outside of people who wanted to talk with him and pray with him during that particular time mm -hmm. in the life of that. that was, and that was a mission congregation, mm -hmm. by the way, Yeah, in that way too. Yeah, I, I know um, Pastor Brand has in always encouraged me in, in preaching of just giving people opportunity to respond. Yes. And it's not even always just conversion, but just respond to conviction of sin, respond yes. to uh, all of that. And I think that is a, a beautiful part of our heritage as well. The call for response. Yeah, yeah yes. call to response. Mm -hmm. Matt, do you have any thoughts on, you know, there's covered a lot of stuff already just with our history and some of our, the nuances and some of the, the emphasis within our heritage. Anything jump out to you as far as um, just how evangelism mission has helped shape our identity? I guess I would want to ask a question uh, to Pastor Lee. I, I always love, you know, being refreshed on our history. How, how do you think our, you know, kind of particular um Lutheran pietistic background, how does that uniquely shape how we do outreach? So I'm thinking now outside of not just evangelistic preaching, not just, you know, special meetings, but in the life of our parishioners as they go out into the world the other six days of the week, what does mm. that look like? How has that yeah. been a part of our history as well? Imperfectly, no doubt. Hmm. Uh, at the same time, the training of our lay people, the encouraging of them to carry that, that message of life in Christ, not in a judgmental way, but uh, to, by their witness, leave the door open uh, to, uh, we use the word witness pretty openly in that way, I suppose, uh, to, to let it be known who you are and where you stand mm. And also to let it be known uh, that you'd be willing to pray with them too in that way. Mm. How often does that happen? I, I don't think it happens very often. Mm. Yeah. It, as often as it should. Yeah, it seems like you mentioned that prayer, and we've kind of mentioned that a couple of times. But to me, that's, that's a, it seems like a massive component of you know, our pietistic yeah. foundation as well. Whether yes. it be the prayer meetings or even in the, the life of yes. the AFLC today, I, mean, I think every one of our get togethers that we have you know, from annual conference to, you know, go down the list, is prayer has that that just really powerful role. And even the life of the congregation, every AFLC church that I've been a part of, like, you know, that congregate pastors are not only praying for the congregants, but seeing the parishioners pray for one another. That, and I think I can take yes. that for granted, but that that yeah. is mm -hmm. not in every church. Like that is a, no. is a practice that um, has to be cultivated by the work of the Spirit. Yes. And encouraged by the pastor, <laughs> uh, one, mm -hmm. one of our uh, a leader in one of our uh, newer congregations, the congregation that joined us, <clears throat> said that um, he had to learn to look at the annual conference like a Bible conference rather than a political gathering, uh. because all of his experiences with church conventions were very negative. Hmm. And he said, uh, 
that's nothing like what ours are. <laughs> he said the, the time that's spent in prayer, the time that's spent in worship, he said, is, is uh, just as important, if not more so, than the business sessions. We mm -hmm. tolerate the business sessions. We look forward to the other. And he said, my experience in my previous denomination was it was pretty much of a, a political gathering. And he said, I just dreaded it. And I thought that was that was a light turning on for me because I'm I'm taking what we have for granted, you know, that way. Yeah. Mm. So so Pastor Lee, what I mean, we've talked a lot about just our heritage and yeah. the need for mission. Uh, maybe maybe a pointed question. What happens in a congregation when mission and evangelism is neglected? And how does that happen? Yeah. I suppose there are different answers to that. Uh, I, I, once again, I'm going to say that I think the pastoral leadership is key in, in, that, in, in that way, too. Pastor is meant to be the spiritual leader there in yeah. that regard. Uh, the dying out of some of the old guard who, who carried the torch for some of these things uh, the, the, is passing of generations and not passing that same heart on to a new generation, failure, failure mm -hmm. in that regard. Too, um, and what happens? Uh, the congregation can end up just simply becoming another religious organization. Yeah, and uh, that's right. not all bad, I suppose. But it's not—it's not a church. It's right. not a congregation. It's not what it's meant to be. Uh, just another religious organization. Yeah, I mean, just man, it just shrivels up because it's not. Yeah, the heart of the impulse right, of Christ leaving, go make disciples. It's such yeah, a yeah. vital part of yes, who we are. Yes. And how do you, let's just do a simple assessment. Do you feel, how do you feel that we are doing right now in our, in the nature of our congregations, historically speaking, mm -hmm. at, you know, like where, where maybe we've been at, but even now, like just a, a simple assessment, is this something that we're, we're winning at, or is this yeah. something that we're really struggling yeah. struggling with? You mentioned the Lutheran evangelistic movement, which doesn't exist anymore. There aren't any Lutheran evangelists anymore. Hmm. Uh, the special meeting approach is kind of done. There's a few who have tried to revive it, you know, get it going, and and uh, a congregation uh, will every once in a while. You'll hear about that. They've scheduled a week of five days or whatever of special meetings. I remember uh, encountering a book at the Bethel Library on revival, and I learned that in the Baptist circles, the revival is the word that they use for the special meetings. Whether there is anybody revived or not is not the question. It, mm. it's a, it's, we're having a revival. Mm -hmm. I ran into this first, uh, being invited by someone to their church for a revival. And I couldn't go right then. And they said, well, that's okay. We'll have another one next year. And I, then I realized we're talking about two different things. Right. You know? um, in that book, they said, people are not committing themselves to week-long meetings anymore. Sometimes it's just a weekend or sometimes it's just four or five days. And so this book actually used this term. So we schedule a mini-revival. And and I thought, well, the result of that then is what getting mini revived, you know, yeah. that that whole approach has kind of vanished as far as a, a major activity. The closest thing to it might be our fly conventions. 
you know, in our Bible camps in, in that way. But as far as in the life of the local congregation, it, it is rarely heard of, okay, anymore. Um, so what has taken its place? I'm not sure, and I think we're in a time of transition. The wife of one of our evangelists uh, and uh, someone uh, of someone who has been a full-time evangelist, uh, she said, I'm waiting to see that God is going to do something new. She says, I'm waiting to see what that's going to be, mm-hmm. but I don't see it yet. That's, that, that was her, mm-hmm. her comment about it. Because what we did before isn't being done now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So in Rapid City, uh, two years ago, the, all the churches got together and um, they spent two years planning for a Will Graham crusade. Okay, yeah. You know, and it was the biggest thing and everybody was like, this is going to be this massive movement. And, yeah. and it came and it went and very few people even showed up. Yeah. And it was not for the lack of all the churches being a part of it. It yeah. was just, it was, it was an interesting experience because I think it was just methods come and go. Yes. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, those types of large group things obviously historically have produced a yes. lot of fruit. Yes. Um, but it was just interesting how it was like, we just spent millions of dollars yeah. and yeah. essentially just a few Christians showed up. Yeah. And so I think part of the, part of this discussion is interesting, especially as we within church planning, you know, our culture has shifted so radically. Yes. And and to think, okay, the methods are different. And going back to something that we talked about earlier of just how do we equip our our lay people, our, our lay people, the the priesthood of believers, as mm-hmm. you talked about uh, in another episode, of how to do life on mission, recognizing that the the mission field is everywhere and it's yeah. all it's not an event anymore yeah and it never was mm-hmm. in, by itself but of how even more essential given the nature of our society and everything it's just it's a, a fascinating moving yeah. target i uh, i know a man who said it was life changing for him to take the billy graham course in how to lead a soul to christ the 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 counselor training and he said that was life-changing for him. Uh, Billy Graham gives these statistics of how many people respond. But if you dig a little deeper, how many actually finished the, the tra- whatever they give them, the follow-up training afterwards, mm-hmm. it's a way, way smaller percentage mm-hmm. <laughs> that actually continued on with the, the course, you know, for new believers like that. Yeah. Uh, we had a mass evangelism event when I was in Valley City, North Dakota. And the churches, uh, evangelical churches worked together on it and uh, was a success. Uh, there, there were many people who came to Christ through mm-hmm. it. And just somewhat recently, I had a phone call from a man in Valley City uh, who said, do you remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, uh, he 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 had committed his life to Christ there mm. through that, and is walking walking with the Lord today now in, in the same way. Um, he said, "Do you remember the first time you met me?" And I said, "Yes." And there were some different details of it like that. And he had said um, something about uh, he he didn't come to our church. His wife was raised in our church, and uh, I visited them in the hospital. Her, they had a baby. 
And uh, he said, I don't go to Lutheran churches. He said, uh, they're boring. <laughs> and I said, I don't recall ever seeing you in church. <laughs> I said to him, well, no, no, I've never been there since you've been there. I said, well, come on some Sunday. And then I said, tell me afterwards if it was boring and what I could do to improve it. And so he came then. And then afterwards, and it was so it was a beginning of these different steps mm -hmm. working and different things <laughs> in that way. And even afterwards, after his commitment to Christ. But it was during that crusade that he surrendered mm -hmm. and uh, and opened his heart to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And there were so, so, so very many others mm -hmm. through that too. And the follow-up yeah. was very effective yeah. in, in that way too. Uh, would it work today? Probably not. Probably yeah. not in in the same in the same way. Yeah. Uh, and and so what what is it for today? And I mentioned again what this dear lady said. I don't know yet. I'm not mm -hmm. sure yet. But it's it's the body of Christ still functioning. Mm -hmm. It's pastors' ministries. It's through various things that we're able to do. But uh, that there is a call to come to Christ included in the Sunday morning services as well, and mm -hmm. recognizing that there are some people there who need Jesus, very likely there who need Jesus yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, and, and just the, the sending of our people out. You know, they're equipped, yes. they're coming to be nourished and fed, but then sent out. And and Matt, I'm forgetting the statistics here, but you've probably seen the graphic. I don't know, is it 90% of people come New people come in the church based off of just relational invitation. Is that it's, right? About 90%? It, yeah, incredibly high. Yeah, it's incredibly high and not through anything else. And so it's like not only equipping our people to go out in their vocations, in their spheres of influence, meeting people, not just isolating themselves, but then uh, speaking life into them and welcoming them into, yeah. and then welcoming into a congregation that also believes in the power of the spirit of God and, and evangelism and all those things. So it all works together. So I don't know, it just seems like it's... It's a very organic thing. Yeah. If if our people recognize that, hey, this isn't only the pastor's job. Mm -hmm. This is like we are we are part of the priesthood of all believers. Where we go out yep. and and we are a massive part of this. And I think that's that's a really a key thing that as we continue to grow in our in our congregations, this and foster a heart for missions to see that everyone has a place in that. Yeah. Everyone. Matt, do you have any other thoughts on this issue of mission and evangelism and our heritage? Uh, you know, I uh, I think this we, we've hit on this a couple times in our these topics that you know watching out for the the ditch on either side of wanting to measure God's work in our midst by the external, right? And even thinking, you know, oh, have we lost our evangelistic zeal today? Maybe, maybe in some churches, certainly, right? But at the same time, I think uh, God is working. I, mean, I, I think of many stories within yes. our AFLC of people coming to Christ. Um, whether it be young people or people outside of our church body. So celebrating that, like, well, praise God for that. Uh, but also recognizing, and I think this is coming back to the topic of prayer, like it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit, you know, through the word. Yeah. And are we praying mm -hmm. for this? Are we, you know, thinking about praying for a revival, yes. praying for our neighbors and our coworkers and family members. And, you know, that's, that's powerful. Uh, and that's a, yeah. part of this mission heart of the church is, praying for their salvation. So yeah, no, I, I, I hope and pray for the AFLC that we would continue to foster this evangelistic zeal within our congregations. And I love that our, you know, our Bible, mm -hmm. Bible college and seminary, you know, it's part of their heartbeat as well to send out missionaries um, to the nations and in our own nation. And I'm grateful for that. 
Mm-hmm. Final thought, Pastor Lee? No. You got it all. You, we've got it all here. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to measure, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm encouraged uh, some things I need to be praying about, too. Yeah. As a result of our discussion here now, more, yeah. s- more specifically. I pray for members of our family, and sometimes we don't always know where they stand, you know, in the different waves of relationships and so on. Um, I have one who has started to go to church now. I always said he couldn't come to our church because of his kind of Lutheran that he was raised didn't accept us, Okay. And now he's going to a big non-denominational church looking at a screen and so on. Mm-hmm. I hope he's hearing the gospel there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think that the, I think that that's good. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I, I encourage that and, and pray that there, there will be a, a, a real life-changing yeah. experience that'll take place for him in that setting too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so as we just sort of connect some dots here right at the yeah. end here, in, you know, the gospel— the, the fact that God is a missionary God and that, yeah. that we can go out fully believing that Christ died for this sinner. And then we can proclaim the gospel, believing that God then also can work life in that. I mean, without the foundation of the gospel, missions is nothing. And yeah. then, as we talk about the congregation, I mean, the congregation is the mission is instrument of God. And the more the, the life happens in the congregations where people are nourished and equipped to go out. And so as we think about church planning, it's, I mean, this all interacts. And, and then we take, talk about nourishing believers in word and sacrament, and it's all connected. And it's such a it's such a beautiful aspect of how God is building and has worked in our heritage, yeah. and we pray it continues to. Privilege so. to be a part of what he's doing. Amen, yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to have your help again with this podcast. Share it with your friends, uh, subscribe to it, leave reviews. Um, if you're interested in exploring church planting within the Free Lutheran Church, we'd love to visit with you. Contact us at aflchomemissions.org. See you next time.